product I use every single day without fail is my satin pillowcase from Kitsch. It's been amazing for my hair and my skin. Plus, they come in a bunch of different colours and patterns, so I got myself one that works great with the rest of my bedding. And Kitsch don't just do satin pillowcases, they offer a whole range of game-changing beauty essentials that I just can't get enough of. Whatever your budget, skin type or hair type, Kitsch believes that you deserve those little indulgences at affordable prices. You must have seen their viral heatless satin curling rollers. They work huge on TikTok. They take five minutes to put on and they completely remove any risk of heat damage. Kitsch's latest craze is rice water shampoo bars, which can improve your overall hair growth and density. Plus, little tip, you can take a shampoo bar on a light, no problem. Right now, Kitsch is offering you 25% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash redhanded. That's right, 25% off anything and everything at mykitsch, that's K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash redhanded. One more time, mykitsch.com slash redhanded for 25% off your order. Did you know we're eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every single week? Yep, that's disgusting. So Blue Land set out to do something about it. Eliminate the need for single-use plastics in the products we reach for the most by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Blue Land even has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com redhanded. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash redhanded for 15% off. One more time, that's blueland.com slash redhanded for 15% off now. Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Red Handed early and ad free. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. You know, we love Shopify. Shopify is like an all knowing retail wizard that's always got your back. A retail wizard that can accept payments, manage inventory, and sell anything you can imagine anywhere you can think of. Online, easy. In person, piece of cake. The best bit about the all-knowing retail wizard that is Shopify is that it knows exactly what's going on across your business. So no more guessing what's selling well online and what's doing better in person. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash redhanded, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash redhanded to take your retail business to the next level today. One more time, that's shopify.com slash redhanded. I have been absolutely rinsing my Audible membership this month. I've traveled so much. I had to go to India. Oh my God, I traveled for like 30 hours. So this was a massive godsend for me. Now, when we got an interview with the lovely US journalist slash author Tamron Hall for shorthand, we were so excited to devour As the Wicked Watch and watch where they hide. Luckily for me, both of these and a whole massive slew of other great true crime content were, of course, up on Audible. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next listen recommendations for thriller listeners like us. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalogue. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash redhanded or text red-handed to 500-500. That's audible.com slash red-handed, or text red-handed to 500-500. I can't even remember if we do I'm Hannah and I'm Sarusi for these ones. You know who we are, and you know why you're here. It's for cheap thrills and ghosts. That's what we call in the business a throwback. You're welcome. <laughs> 
You are welcome. And you're going to be even more welcome. No, you're going to be even more thankful. I don't know, for three pretty scary stories we've got this month, I thought. Yeah, for Red Haunted Part 3. Seb's called it This Time It's Personal, but we already used that joke last week. (laughs) Just can't get away from that joke. (laughs) Seb's also this time labelled all the jokes he's made and all the titles he's given it by Seb. So now we know. He's just getting credit where credit's due. (laughs) Except we've never seen these emails, so he may just be lying. We don't know. Maybe it's all just a catalogue of Seb's life. Things get weird in Devon, man. I don't know. I don't know either. Let's find out. Yeah, first story, which is apparently from someone called Isabel, but I don't believe it. Sebabel, more like. Rumour has it. And it's called Rule 1. Don't fuck with tarot cards. Brackets titled by Seb. Since Isabel was young, she, her sister and her two cousins would travel up to Oregon from California with her religious Mexican grandparents for the summer. Her grandparents would work on farms in Oregon, which looking back makes Isabel feel a little bit sad because they were obviously just being used as cheap migrant workers. It's not much of a holiday, really. But at the time... It was kind of fun without examining you know, the structures of oppression on migrants in the US. Sad times. I was just about to say that's not for kids. It definitely is for kids. Fucking teacher kids. However, before I just completely lose the plot and go on for like two hours, you're not here for politics, you're here for ghosts. We're here to scare them with ghosts, not with the horrendous state of the world, Hannah. Not politics. That's the main show. When Isabel was around 14, her grandparents and her sister went up to Oregon for what would be the last time. This year, one of her cousins, Diana, or Diana possibly, had found a love for tarot cards. And despite their grandparents specifically forbidding it, she brought them with her to Oregon. Uh Uh-oh. And the grandparents were on the right track. Did you know that playing cards are older than tarot cards? Oh, that makes tarot cards seem just so much less spooky, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. We've played cards a lot in my house at the moment because of, you know, apocalypse. I was thinking about it. I was like, isn't it mad that I would argue that thousands of people in each country in the entire world know what playing cards are and they know how to use them and they know a game to play with them. Isn't that mad? That is mad. This might be too big a question. Where did they originate, Hannah? I don't know. You've done any previous reading on this? Egyptians, Greeks, something like that. They're fucking old. They're really, really old. And tarot cards sort of popped up in like the 40s or some shit. Classic. Anyway, Isabel's grandparents were deeply religious and superstitious and they thought it was just best, just like my attitude towards Ouija boards, just don't fuck with it. Leave it alone. What's it worth finding out? Some cool ghost shit happening. So even though her grandparents weren't massive fans, the tarot cards were particularly popular with other kids on the farm that summer. And Diana would sit and give the other kids readings far from the gaze of their grandparents while all the other kids watched. One day... Diana was doing one of her popular readings in the farm cabin where they slept. And then something very strange happened. Nobody was paying any particular attention to the reading, as she'd done quite a few by this point, and they started to get a little bit boring, but don't worry, that's about to change. Everyone in the room was just messing around, hanging out, not really paying much attention to the reading taking place. And suddenly, Isabel noticed a commotion coming from where the reading was happening. And when she looked over she saw that the cards on the table had started dancing around as though on strings and flipping themselves over of their own volition. Isabel, what's happening? Really? Isabel's also my sister's name and I feel like I only ever say it like, Isabel. Like, actually, I find it so difficult to say it properly. Isabel's quick-thinking cousin Diana chucked the cards across the room and everyone ran outside. And after waiting for an agonisingly long time for their grandparents to come home from the shops, 
they finally came back. The kids rushed over and spilt the events of the afternoon, sparing absolutely no details. Maybe a little bit of elaboration here and there, they are children. So, Isabel's grandparents, who she describes as uber-religious Mexican grandparents, were really upset that Diana had bought the cards with her, but took the events very seriously. Somehow, their grandparents managed to rope in a local priest to bless the caravan and thus, in theory, fix the issue. But the priest couldn't come for a whole day, which meant that Isabel and all of her cousins had to sleep in the cabin before the priest could come and solve the problem. Well... Too fucking right. You're haunting it. You're going to have to sleep in there. That's the deal. Seb's written like, oh, maybe the grandparents weren't that bothered or they wouldn't have let them sleep in there. But I think I agree with you. They're like, fucking, this will teach you. (laughs) You stay in the death hole. More stuff you've got to teach your kids is that you haunt it, you bought it. I don't know. There's something in there. We'll work on it. You haunt it, you sleep in it. Hannah and I are going to write a parenting book. Watch out for that coming soon. And apparently there were only two beds in this cabin. They're all sharing beds. And sleep didn't exactly come easy that night, especially as Diana kept telling everyone that she could hear a voice talking to her as the cards were dancing around. Yep, that'll do it, Diana. Stop saying that to people. Just keep that one to yourself, probably. So everyone else decided that Diana was just exaggerating and told her to shut up and leave them alone and go to sleep. Which is probably what I would have done in that situation or slept outside in the wilderness. That's much safer than ghosts, obviously. In my mind. Would you rather get chased by a coyote or would you rather sleep in a haunted caravan? That's the question. I don't know. I thought I had a ghost experience in my house yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. So our bath is cracked and it's been a ball ache to try and get the landlord to send someone to fix it. So he's been around a couple of times to like measure it and whatever. And the bath panel, because the bath is quite old, is apparently quite difficult to find. And this guy's got keys to the house, so he just sort of comes in whenever. He's just like the handyman. Because my estate agents that own my house or manage my house, they have loads in the area. So there's like two or three different handymen that just sort of have keys to everyone's houses, apparently, on my road. So he will just sort of let himself in. And I was in the bathroom the other day, and there was a knock on the door and a voice I didn't recognize. So I screamed, and then I recognized his voice. And I was like, oh, it's the guy that's come to change the bath panel. And I was like, okay, two seconds. So I came out of the bathroom. He had his back to me on the stairs with a bath panel next to him and I went into my room and I was like oh sorry thanks and he was oh yeah no worries and then I went into the bathroom this morning and the bath panel is still broken so I like text my housemates and I was like have I gone mad or did Steve come around yesterday to fix the bath panel and not fix it and they were like yes he said it didn't fit so I was convinced (laughs) myself for a full 10 minutes that I'd just seen a mystery handyman. Steve died in a bath-fixing accident last week, Anna. Yeah, I had a full meltdown for a while, but it's fine. Except my bath is still fucking not fixed and we're trying to get rid of one of the rooms. Anyway, sorry, away from my bath and back into the haunted caravan. Eventually, Isabel and her sister drifted off to sleep, but they were suddenly woken up in the night by their cousins. The cousins were in a state of panic and told them that they were being kept awake by voices talking to them and Diana was in floods of tears. So Isabel and her sister, very kindly, I thought, scooted over and let their cousin sleep in the bed with them. So there's four in the bed, and the little one said, I'm a ghost. (laughs) You can have that one for free, guys. I'm here all week. Absolutely not a fucking chance. If I'm in a room with you and you are saying, I'm hearing ghostly voices, no way am I being like, well, hop on in then. Bring the ghosts closer to me. And they all said a prayer together. And then the girls all fell back asleep. How they're sleeping with four of them in there is absolutely beyond me. Uh, But Diana actually didn't fall asleep. She just stayed up crying. And Isabel was then woken up for a second time. But this time, 
it was by Diana, who was sat up in bed talking to someone. And when Isabel asked what was going on, Diana said, I'm trying to get them to leave us alone. Fuck that for a laugh. I think I would rather be mauled by a bear. Absolutely. Let's just do that. Not this. At this point, Isabel's absolutely shitting herself, and quite rightly, so she decided to wake up her sister, and together they managed to convince Diana to lay back down and start praying. They were all crying by this point, and they were so scared that they could barely get the words out, but eventually Isabel finished her prayer and everything settled for a second. Then suddenly, something started laughing, and the girls could feel themselves getting bitten all over their bodies. They curled up in a ball and started to scream their prayers. And after some more praying, the laughter and biting stopped, and everything settled for good. Except, of course, that they haven't got any sleep. I don't know if the girls are working on the farm or it's the grandparents, but, you know, if you're working on farms, sleep, important. And not being fucking bitten by some disembodied voice. Oh, my God. That's taken quite a turn since the last Red Haunted we did, where it was like, oh, I just think I saw the friendly ghost of my dead cousin. And now it's like, oh, we were being bitten and laughed at by a ghost. And apparently, the next morning, they told their grandparents what had happened and their grandma examined their bodies and found that they were actually covered in tiny little bite marks. I don't know whether that's like mosquito bites or like tiny little teeth. Oh, do you know what? Something's bitten me. Not like right now. I got bitten on like Sunday. And now my right foot is the size of an apple. It's quite painful. I don't know what it is. I'm waiting to see if I develop some sort of fever before I get particularly alarmed, but it is very, very painful and very swollen. So that's fun. Don't think it was a ghost though, so it's okay. Well, if it is a ghost, call Isabel's grandparents because the priest got over there right away and he blessed the girls and the cabin. But by the end of the week, their grandparents had packed everything up and they were all heading back to California, never ever to return. And Isabel says that she's not particularly religious and she wasn't even then, but praying just seemed like the right thing to do. Nothing has ever happened to Isabel since or before this incident. And she still doesn't really understand, even now. Unexplainable, unlike Steve the bath mechanic. Wow, that is intense. I can understand why they never ever went back. That sounds fucking horrific. I mean, I guess like nothing ever scary happened to me. But like when I was younger, my parents used to just send us to India for six weeks for the whole summer holiday to be with our grandparents. And my mum's parents lived in just like this very rural, remote village in India. There weren't even like any streetlights the first few summers I could even remember. And there was like a creepy old broken down temple at the end of their road. I used to be scared to even like look around in places where people weren't looking at night in case I saw something that other people wouldn't see. It was genuinely terrifying. And my grandma, she just fucking loved telling us scary stories all the time. And she'd say the craziest thing. She'd be like, you know, there's a girl two streets down. And I went to go see her, so I know it's absolutely true. One day, she just started crying rocks. I'm like, Grandma, what the fuck are you on about? And she'd be like, I swear to God. That's so funny. That's better than Goosebumps, that. Fuck, she should have written her own little Goosebumps series. She'd love it. And she used to, like, watch horror films at night while we were trying to sleep and just do all sorts of crazy stuff. And just, like, Hinduism in itself is quite a creepy religion with a lot of the, like, visuals. Just loved it. Just loved it. Absolutely terrified me. But anyway... That was a good one. That was a good one. Let's see if I can live up to it with my story. So this one is called The Doorbell of Death. And it's been sent in 
from a lovely spooky bitch named Nancy. Hi, Nancy. So, this one did actually scare me when I was reading it. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay. So late one night, Nancy got into her car, having just finished a late shift in the province of Alberta, Canada. I can imagine, not having been there, that it's quite a sparsely populated remote kind of place I'm visualising. But isn't it like 50% or maybe even more than that? A very high percentage of people who live in Canada only live 50 miles of the border and beyond that it gets really quite sparse the closer you get to the fucking North Pole. Just terrifying. And this is why I would love to go to Canada. It's like top of my list of places I want to go. Have you not been? No, I've not been. I feel like it's so... I just love mountains. I love the cold. I love a fire and a cabin. I'm so there for it. One day, one day. So as Nancy starts to drive home through the long winding roads with towering fir trees producing long sinister shadows in the car headlights, she began to notice that a car was following her and the car started to follow more and more closely. But at first, for a while, Nancy convinced herself that it was just a coincidence. That was until she turned off the main road and again the car followed. She turned left, the car followed. She turned right, the car followed. And, of course, Nancy started to panic. And being the rational-thinking spooky bitch that she is, she came to the inevitable conclusion that she was going to be murdered. I would. I would. I'd be like, this is it. Game over. You'd probably ask for a lift. So as the car got closer, Nancy noticed that it was a white people carrier. (gasps) No, I'm just joking. It was a white Jeep. (laughs) It was a white Jeep. It was a Honda Accord. It's always a Honda Accord. (laughs) Whenever we say, what was that song by the Arctic Monkey? Oh, Ford Mondeo. Mr. Inconspicuous. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so Nancy noticed that it was a white Jeep. Probably the spookiest of all car colours, I would say. A white car slash a white van. I'm going to be immediately scared of you. So the Jeep continued to follow her all the way home. Okay. And this isn't a judgment of Nancy. This is just a generic question for everybody. If you're being followed, should you drive home and lead this person to your home? I've definitely walked past my house because I thought I was being followed before. See, I think that's smart. So Nancy does drive home and she's absolutely terrified. And when she finally got home, she was still far from safe. So as she pulled up outside the house, the Jeep pulled up on the other side of the road. And apparently she didn't even have a cell phone to call a friend. So... Nancy sat in her car for a few minutes with the Jeep showing no signs of movement. Nancy then gave herself a pep talk and decided that her best option was going to be to bolt out of the car and just run inside. Yeah, I think once you've gone home, that is your only option. But I would still say that is a bold move. I would be scared to get out of that car at that point. Yeah, but then you're just going to sit in the car and then you'll look back and then they'll be in the back seat anyway. You might as well just go in your house. That is one of the scariest urban legends where it's like the person following you and beeping and flashing their lights and you're scared and they're trying to warn you that there's someone in the back of the car. Ah! No, anyway. So where she's parked outside of her building, the street was dark and there was no automatic light outside of her door. But Nancy finally plucked up the courage and ran from her car to the building. Firing across the street, Nancy opened the glass door to the flats and ran down the stairs into her basement flat. Nancy, like, she's just making it scarier and scarier because she also lives in the basement flat. Like, I'm terrified. So once Nancy got inside, she slammed the door behind her and paced around her house, 
She was home, but she was still terrified. However, after 10 minutes had passed and nothing had happened, Nancy decided that she was probably just getting wound up over nothing and she got ready for bed. Again, like, Seb's put here another bold move, Nancy, but I'm going to give her that. You know, she waited out. She hung around for 10 minutes to see if anything was going on and she's like, all right, calm down. We're going to bed now. Also, if you live on your own, you've just got to get on with it. This is the thing. But just as she started getting ready for bed, suddenly the doorbell rang and it rang and rang and rang. The doorbell rang for so long that Nancy began screaming in terror. Who else could it be but the jeep-driving murderer? Nancy couldn't go and look because the door of the flats was made of glass. And if she could see out, then whoever was out there ringing the doorbell could see in. And nobody wants that. I've got that horrible feeling where I don't want to look outside my box. That is actually terrifying. I hate this. And so as Nancy is sat in her house terrified, wondering what to do, the doorbell just kept ringing and ringing. That is horrific. The only way it could be worse is if it was knocking. No, I think ringing's worse. At this point, Nancy made the decision to call the police. And to be honest, I guess you might wonder why she hadn't done it sooner. Not victim blaming. It's a ghost story and it feels very irrational. But this is the point at which she decides that she needs professional help from the police. And the dispatch officer on the other end of the phone could also hear the doorbell ringing. And remember, it's just continuously ringing. And I love what this dispatcher advised Nancy to do because this dispatcher is like, yeah, I can hear it. Uh, Go see who it is. So Nancy explained the glass door situation to the woman on the phone. But the officer was adamant. Just go take a look, though. You're right, the doorbell is ringing. But Nancy stood her ground and waited for what felt like an eternity for the police to arrive. And when they eventually did, they searched for the jeep. But nothing could be found. All the while, though, the doorbell just kept ringing. The woman at dispatch told Nancy to go outside and meet the police who had arrived and were on the street just outside her house. As soon as this dispatcher said this, suddenly the doorbell stopped. Whoever or whatever was ringing the doorbell was listening to the phone call. No, no! Nancy said she wasn't going to go out until the police were at her door. And I think, you know, we've been harsh on Nancy up until now, but I would say that is a good call. So suddenly, the doorbell started again, and it seemed even more vigorous than ever. Nancy screamed and screamed, until after a lifetime of waiting, dispatch told her the police were at her door. And as soon as the dispatch officer said this, again, the doorbell stopped. Nancy ran up the stairs and opened the door, crying and screaming. Through her tears, she gave an explanation of her situation to the police, who were all apparently obviously gorgeous. And these are Nancy's words, not Seb's, not mine. I haven't met any Canadian police officers. But Seb has put in here that after some research, googling Canadian police hot, he can confirm that from what he's seen, (laughs) all the Canadian police officers that he has witnessed on Google do seem to be very good-looking individuals. I cannot confirm or deny that. Seb's girlfriend just rolling her eyes in the background. (laughs) So the police calmed Nancy down and told her that they couldn't see anyone or anything near the house and that the white jeep was nowhere to be seen. 
so Nancy began to calm down. Maybe it was all just a horrid coincidence. But what about the doorbell? Then, as she stood there with Canada's version of Baywatch, the doorbell rang again. With terror stricken on their faces, Nancy and the police looked around in wild confusion. Until suddenly, one of the officers found the sinister cause of the nightmare. Was it an evil stalking ex with a white jeep and a remote control doorbell? No. Was it an evil ghoul lurking in the darkness of Alberta preying on the vulnerable and alone? Again, solid, no. It turns out, the only thing that had died that night was the battery of the doorbell. And Nancy was mortified. Oh my God. <laughs> that was a roller coaster. I don't think I could go through one of those again. Ugh. Oh, mate. I was genuinely scared when I was reading that. I was like, fuck, what would I do? I hate that. I hate anyone even knocking at the door or like ringing my doorbell. And I know it's not a ghost, let alone this. Have you seen that tweet where it's like, serial killers were way more prevalent in the 70s. That's because millennials wouldn't open the door even if somebody rang it or something like that. I can't remember. But I was like, yeah, I would never fucking open the door. These days, it's great. I can't even handle like tree branches tapping at my window because I convinced myself it's a wizened old hag tapping a bone. It probably was. For some reason, just invented the bone lady. Things are going super well in Hannahtown. This one, I think, is the scariest one we've ever had on Red Haunted. Oh my God, I'm excited. I'm so ready. I had like proper goosebumps when I was reading oh it, which hasn't happened before. Okay, let's do it. It's called The Boy in the Trench Coat, and it's from Terry. Terry lived in Scotland. She might still do, don't know. But at the time of this story, that's where she was. And she worked as a dental nurse for NHS Highland, spending most of her time driving around, and this is a direct quote, the absolute butt crack of nowhere. <laughs> Again, I think I need to spend more time in Scotland, man. Like, do you remember when we were on the train going up to do the Glasgow show and we were just like, what is this? Like, absolutely stunning. So beautiful. And one morning, Terry was covering a clinic in the small town of Lochgilped, probably. I should have asked my Scottish housemate how to say that. It's in very remote Western Scotland. And Terry decided to leave early the morning of the shift in question as the town I just failed to say was quite the drive from where she lived and she didn't want to be late. However, when Terry arrived, she found herself to be a little bit early. And given that she'd got up at God knows when, or as we like to term it, the crack of Christ, to get there, she decided to take a well-earned 10-minute break in her car. And as Terry sat in the car park admiring the morning, she couldn't help but notice the hospital itself was looking rather old and run down. Not only that, but in the hospital grounds stood a large yellow-grey brick building that was in total disrepair. The building held an air of grand creepiness and the fact it was totally fenced off didn't help. I think a key point here is that this is not where Terry works all the time. She's covering for someone. And as Terry sat there with the windows down and the radio playing, admiring the creepy building, she was startled out of her skin. Stood next to her, just outside the car window, was a little boy, and she never would have noticed him if he had not loudly said, Hi. The boy was around nine years old and very pale and thin and dressed in a long trench coat that was far too big for him. Terry said hello back, and given the circumstances, she assumed he'd probably just wandered out of the hospital. Although he did look rather strange and very sickly. 
and there was something altogether not right about this little boy. But they are in the grounds of a hospital, so it's perfectly reasonable to assume that he was a patient that had just found his way out unnoticed early in the morning. Terry looked around for his parents and decided that she should take him back to the hospital reception. So she reached down into the passenger footwell, grabbed her bag and decided to walk the boy inside and then make her way to the dental department and start her day. However, when she'd finished getting her bag and doing the classic pre-work rummage, the boy had vanished. Terry jumped out of the car to look for him, but there was no sign of him anywhere. He couldn't be in the car park, as she was the only car in sight. He couldn't have run into the creepy building, because there was a huge fence around it. There was nowhere he could have gone. Later that day, she told the local dentist she was working with about the strange incident. And she said, Oh, you're lucky. I've worked here for eight years and I've never seen him. And it turned out the boy's name was Robert and he died in the 40s just outside the big creepy building, which, of course, used to be an asylum. His mum had been forced into the asylum and one night, after being told he couldn't see her anymore, he stole his dad's trench coat and ran off in his pyjamas to go and see his mum. He walked for miles and miles, only to be found dead outside the gates of the asylum the next day, having died of exposure thanks to the harsh Scottish winter. And when they found his body, all he was wearing were his pyjama bottoms and his dad's trench coat. The mum's mental health got worse after this and she eventually died in the 60s, and rumour has it that she haunts the asylum too. That's so sad. Terry, best one ever. Fucking yes, Terry. Have a prize a ghost prize oh that's so sad poor little what was his name robert poor little robert i know i'd be fucked up though if that happened well i don't know what to say i'm scared now (laughs) yeah me too i'm very glad it's 10 30 in the morning and we didn't do this later in the evening oh god i don't know why i feel like the little boy ghost is terrifying but i feel like I really connected on a visceral level with Nancy's doorbell Mm. because I think I would definitely call the police in that situation and then just deal with the trauma of being absolutely mortified that it had just been the battery. But thank you guys. You got just getting better and better with the ghost stories. As ever, you guys know, we have got like, I don't know when you're going to hear this. I can't remember. I haven't got the calendar in front of me, but possibly just a couple of weeks maybe a couple of days before the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice closes down, which will be closing on the 6th of July. So if you haven't voted yet, please, please, please head on over to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote. Link is in the episode description. Give us a vote, give them your right email address, and then verify that email. And we would be very grateful and we won't curse you. Repeat the process for every other email you have. Exactly. And we won't send some hexes and some ghosts and whatnot. You know, I said I was watching that Jeffrey Epstein documentary. Did you know that some of the threats he used to say to people was, I'll get a witch doctor to place a hex on you. Like he used that as a threat. What the fuck? It's just like rich old white man nonsense. Complete nonsense. But anyway, so there you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will see you very soon. Yep, see you on another episode of Something That We Do. Bye.
Prime members, you can listen to Red Handed early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Hey you, before you go, tell us a little bit about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie. 